Beautiful song. Thank you, Emily. Would you take the word of God with me tonight? And let's open it up to the book of Jonah, please. Jonah chapter number one. And as all the sick people get off the stage, hallelujah. Let's breathe a little bit up here. Uh, it's that season, you know, it's that time. And we want to keep each other in prayers during this time and our shut-ins and those who uh, could not be here because of sicknesses. Keep those in our prayer. Jonah chapter number one, our, our main verse, our main passage is going to be found in verse number 13. Jonah chapter number one, verse number 13. The word of God says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Again, verse 13 says, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we need your help tonight. We have a week of things that we don't know of. We don't know what could happen tomorrow. We don't know what could happen later on this week. And truthfully, Lord, we don't even know what could happen later on tonight. So God, whatever lies ahead, this passage of Scripture and this message you've laid on my heart to speak tonight, would it be the help that we need? Even if it's for that one person, that one family. Lord, would you open up our hearts and open up our mind to receive what the Spirit has for us? And Holy Spirit, would you guide us into all truth? Would you reveal to us Jesus Christ? Draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Jonah is uh, probably, uh, whenever I study a chapter, whenever I study a book, it ends up being my favorite book. And so for right now, uh, Jonah is my favorite book. Uh, it's, it's incredible to know that this is a true story. This is not an allegory. This is not some uh, picture, just some mythical story. This was a true story. Jonah was a real individual. Nineveh was a real place. And, and uh, he really did get swallowed by a whale. When you're in Sunday school as a child, if you've grown up in Sunday school as a child, you remember the, the flannel graphs. Maybe somebody still does. Does anybody still do flannel graphs here? Anybody? A couple people? Praise the Lord, you're going to heaven. So there's other people, uh, when you use the flannel graphs, you're, you're, it's truth, you know. Uh, I, I remember seeing the whale, and, and she would pull out the, the biggest uh, little piece of cloth I've seen. And, and I remember uh, my other teacher, my other Sunday school teacher was an artist, and he would draw it all out on, on the whiteboard. And it was amazing. I loved seeing the story of Jonah and the whale being swallowed by a whale. But for tonight, could we direct our focus to some other men that were on that same boat that night? When we go to verse number one of Jonah, Jonah chapter one, verse one, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish 
from the presence of the Lord. Verse number four. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners, if you mark things, if you like to write things down in your Bible or uh, underline, would you mark mariners? Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. Verse number six. So the shipmaster, would you underline or or mark shipmaster? So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Tonight I want to talk to you about keep rowing. Keep rowing. Whenever I I gave him the title of Just Keep Rowing, I don't know if you watch Finding Nemo. Uh, I can tell by the giggles you have. Uh, Dory is just saying, just keep swimming. Just keep rowing. Just keep rowing. Jonah was never meant to be on this boat. Jonah is a prophet of God. His sole responsibility is to speak what God has for him to say to whomever it is that God wants him to say it to. And God gave Jonah the command to go to Nineveh and cry against it. Tell them that their wickedness has been brought before the Lord. But Jonah fled. We understand that the Assyrians would afflict the people of Israel. And there was great strife between Israel and Assyria. The Israelites could care less about the Assyrians. The Assyrians hated the Israelites. The Assyrians oppressed the Israelites. And so when it came time for Jonah to speak against Assyria, it wasn't that he was just going to command a judgment. It was the fact that God's judgment upon Assyria was going to be a token of his mercy to Assyria. Because the message was, yet in 40 days, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. So God was going to tell them that you're going to be judged, but I am giving you time to repent. And Jonah did not want the Assyrians to repent. He wanted them to experience God's judgment now. And if he didn't give them the message, maybe he thought, well, I'll just stay away for 40 days. Maybe I'll just stay away for 41 days just to make sure. His thinking was, I will flee from the presence of God. I will get so far away that by the time maybe I get convicted and have to travel all the way back, it'll be too late. Either way, it's a win-win scenario in Jonah's mind. But God loves people. God loves everyone. God just doesn't love the people that are, in our eyes, right and morally good. 
God loves the corrupted people. God loves the criminal people. God loves the wicked people. God loves the evil people. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but shall have everlasting life. So God loves the Assyrians. God loves those who, not, who are not even seeking him. And so he sent Jonah to speak to the people of Nineveh. And he decides that he's going to go somewhere else. And he boards this boat, this, this ship. This ship that is full of goods, it's full of cargo. And they're on their way to Tarshish. And the Bible says, God sent out a wind and a great storm arose. And then we come and we meet these men. The mariners. These mariners are used to being on the sea. These, these mariners are good at their job. This is what they do. This is their livelihood. They know the in and outs of the whole boat. They know how it operates. They know what to do. But when this particular storm came into their life, all of their experience, all of their knowledge, all that they knew on what to do did not matter because now they were afraid. This, this storm that they have uh, come into is unlike anything else. The, the ship is about to be broken. The wind is too hard. The waves are too high. The storm is too tempestuous. And the mariners, those who know on how to operate a boat, are now in a storm like they've never been in before. And now they are afraid. And they've done everything that, they've, that they could. The Bible says that they've cast forth the wares or, or the goods that are in the boat. All the cargo that's in the boat. They're trying to, to lighten the load. Perhaps these are the very same thing that they're taking from Joppa all the way to Tarshish. Perhaps these are the goods. This is their livelihood in the trade and in the, in the mercantile business of, of transporting cargo. But now they're at the point where they're willing to make the sacrifices necessary for their own life. And we come to verse number six. And we meet the shipmaster or the captain. The captain comes and he goes to find Jonah. It's all hands on deck. Everybody ought to be helping. Everybody ought to be doing something. Do what you can. It doesn't matter if you're not a mariner or if you're not the captain. Everybody is on this boat. Everybody can contribute something to the well-being of everybody that is in the boat. But when he goes to get Jonah, the boy's asleep. Now, I've seen some hard sleepers, like really hard sleepers, my daughters are hard sleepers, and as new parents, I'm sure everybody has done this, whenever you go to, to see your baby if they're, if they're still sleeping and they're taking their nap, you kind of like stare at them for a while just to make sure they're breathing. Like they're just so still, like so, all the noise and all the lights, and they're just, boom, they're out. Well, Jonah was out. The storm was raging, I don't know if he was in some sort of hammock. I don't know how he was sleeping. But he was fast asleep in the bottom of the boat when the storm that was his fault was threatening the life of everyone else. 
The storm that was caused by his disobedience, by his rebellion, by his uh, 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 um, rejection of God's command, that storm that was meant to get his attention was now threatening the life of everybody else on board. And the mariners have already lost their cargo. And the shipmaster is frantically pulling everything that he can, all the people, and he goes to find Jonah. And Jonah's asleep. Verse number seven, they cast lots, or or we would say they, they, they drew the straws. And Jonah drew the short one. And they ask him, verse number seven, they say it unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? I thought it was kind of humorous that now they're just trying to figure this stuff out. I don't know who y'all let into your house or who you let into your car. This may be like a little Uber situation where as long as you got money, you can come on board. Uh, But now they're figuring out, all right, Jonah, where'd you come from? Why are you in trouble? What country are you from? What kind of God do you serve? Who, uh, what people group are you from? Verse number nine. He says, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. Verse 12. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land. What, a, what an incredible stressful and intense moments that was on that ship. The, the wind is howling and the waves are, are high and rocking the boat and perhaps parts of the boat are beginning to break off because the, the Bible says the boat is, is to be broken. It's going to be broken. And they come to find out that this guy Jonah who's just paying them money to sleep in the bottom of the boat He's ran away from the God who made the sea. He's running away from the God who has made the land. And they're asking themselves and they're asking Jonah, what should we do to you? And Jonah only has one solution. And I want to have a a pause right here in the message to insert this. That Jonah's solution is to never be the solution for us, for any situation that we come into. What was Jonah's solution? Everything will be better if I die. Everything will be better if I would just be dead. Jonah didn't look over and see a boat in the sea and say, just throw me over and I'll swim to that. He didn't see a rock. He didn't see anything. The only thing he saw over the the bow of the ship is his own death. 
And he knew that God was a, a, a just God who judges wickedness, who judges evil. And Jonah thought within himself, the way that I can make everybody else's life easier if I were to just be dead. And I want you to know that suicide is never the solution. Your life is precious in the eyes of God. Suicide is never the solution. We come to these moments of intensity in our life when we think my family would be better off, my life would be better off, everybody else would be better off if I were not here. I want you to know that your life is precious in the eyes of God. It has value. It has worth. This solution did not even settle for the mariners. This solution that Jonah brought to the shipmaster, to the captain, did not settle well with them. Because in verse number 13, we have the word nevertheless. We know what you've done, Jonah. We know who you're running from, Jonah. And we know the solution that you gave to us, but we don't like that solution. We don't know what, you, what kind of God that you serve, but the fact that you want to kill yourself for us does not settle well with us. You are a part of this ship. I, I admire the mariners. I admire the captain of this ship because they are placing a value on Jonah that Jonah has not even placed upon himself. Jonah, we are not going to throw you overboard. We are not going to desert you. We are not going to follow through. Nevertheless, the men rode hard. It seemed like the easiest way to get the storm to be calm would just to cast over Jonah. But these men had something within themselves that they weren't going to give up on somebody who has already given up on himself. The men had a value on Jonah. They had a value on their own lives and they were going to continue to row even harder. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. Just keep rowing. I want to speak to that one parent who's just about ready to give up. Your house is filled with more arguments than ever before. You've had more screaming matches this past year than you would even dare to talk about. I want to talk to the husband and to the wife and you feel like this, everything's just on a thread right now. Everything's on pins and needles. You're walking on broken ice. I want to speak to the one who's just about giving up on themselves. And you're looking at everything around you. You're looking at the storm in your life. You're looking at how tempestuous your life is. You think of all the things that you have done and the sin that you've committed and the consequences that you are now living in. And you're just about to let go and you're about to give up. I want to encourage you to just keep rowing. Just keep going. 
I know the easy solution is to just give up on your teenager. I know the easy solution would be just to have a divorce. I know the easy solution would just be to take your own life, but it's not the solution. It's not the solution. The solution is just to keep rowing, just to keep rowing, row even harder. Nevertheless, I know it's difficult. I will continue to row harder. The Bible says that they were going to row hard to bring it to the land. They weren't rowing in just any direction. They weren't just rowing just to keep themselves up. They knew where land was and that's the direction that we're going in. As hard as it was, as strong as the wind was, as tempestuous as the storm was, they knew where land was, and we are going to row hard in that direction. In the Word of God, we we find that the sea is involved in many stories, whether it's the Dead Sea or the Red Sea, the Sea of Galilee, or the, the Mediterranean Sea. We see bodies of water, the Jordan River, the Euphrates River. The sea often depicts death. The sea often depicts death. Here, Jonah knew that he deserved to die. He crosses the sea, he gets on this boat. And now his own life and the life of everyone on this ship is threatened. But land depicts something solid. Land depicts a place of growth. Land depicts a place where something could be builded upon. Land represents and pictures a place where a foundation can be laid. Just keep rowing. But we don't row in just any direction. If the marriage is on the rocks, if the relationship between the parent and the teen is struggling, I want you to know just keep rowing. But you're not just rowing in in any sort of direction and trying to get your way across and nobody else's and it's my way or the highway. We go to the rock. If I were to row in any direction with my marriage, it's to the Word of God. If I'm going to row in any direction with the relationship with my children, it's it's to the Word of God. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I don't know how stormy your sea may be. I don't know how much of of, uh, wind and all the tempestuous uh, may be around in your life. I don't know what may be going on, but I can tell you, if you go in the direction of of the word of God, you are going in the direction of something sure, someplace safe, a place where you can build, a place where you can grow, to just keep rowing. You come to the end of the day and you've laid your head down on your pillow and you're exhausted because you've rowed all day. And may I just speak between the, to the parent and teen relationship for a moment. 
As parents of teenagers, you experience your child like you've never experienced them before. And nobody has ever raised your teenager before, not even you. And so as a parent, you are learning how to parent a teenager just as much as they're learning how to obey a parent as a teenager. And many times the conflicts can get out of control. Many times a parent will will work hard to, to instill good things into their kids and to be obedient and to be respectful and to do all that they can. And so many times they find it They find their teenager just like Jonah, sleeping, not contributing, not helping the situation that they've caused, not seeing the storm that they have brought into the house. How many arguments and how many frustrations and how much friction is in the home because of a disobedient and disrespectful teenager? Yet what I have found so many times, and it blesses my heart and it encourages me and it gives me an example, is I see parents keep rowing. I see parents who have taken on a responsibility. They have taken on that teenager in their life and now they are uh, dealing with some of the struggles and they're dealing with some of the circumstances that the teenager has brought into the home and we find that no matter what is happening, the parent is still rowing, is still trying to rear their children and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord to train up a child in the way he should go so that when he is old, he will not depart from it and they're rowing day after day after day. And yet, so many times, teenagers are sleeping. Yet, so many times, teenagers don't realize realize the sacrifice that parents have already made. You see, by the time the captain already comes to Jonah, they've already been busy. They've already been battling the storm. And not only have they already been battling the storm, but they have already been willing to make sacrifices for Jonah. And young people and teenagers, I want you to know that your parents have been making sacrifices for you that you may very well not know of. The sacrifices that your parents make for you, most of them will go unseen and unheard of. The sacrifices that your parents make financially, the sacrifices that your parents make for you with their time and with their effort and with their energy, May I say to you, with a loving heart, I'd ask that you would wake up as Jonah needed to be woken up. I would ask that you would wake up and see your parents' sacrifice. See the things that they have done. See the work that they are putting in to the livelihood of not just you, but everybody in the household. Just keep rowing. The sea was hard. The waves were high. The wind was fast. It was a a storm like never before. And perhaps this year in your own personal life or in the life of your home, you've experienced storms like never before. Just keep rowing. Perhaps you've had the issues in your life like you've never had before. You've had uh, things going on in your life like you've never planned before. Just keep rowing. 
You never expected your finances to take a turn. Just keep rowing. You've never expected your child to behave this way. Just keep rowing. You've never thought you would be in a, in a headspace like this. You have thoughts like this. I want to say, just keep rowing. But we row not to just any place. We row to the truths that are in God's word. The Bible says in verse number 14, Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from her raging. The Bible does remind us that it is appointed unto man once to die. Death was inevitable. This casting of Jonah into the sea had to happen. And I have talked to many people much, much older than I who have children, who have grown out of their house and have, they have grandchildren now. And they have said this to me over and over again. You never stop loving your children. You've nev you never stop praying for your children. Or they'll say, you never stop worrying about your children. And how true that is. For parents, it is to row hard to the land until that day that your appointed time has come. And when that time comes, there will be peace. The Bible says that God prepared a whale for Noah. The whale represents the death, not of somebody who is meant to be in death for all of eternity, but is the escape of death. It is the way that we have escaped death and to give us that life that God has promised us. Just keep rowing. Where are you in your life? How tempestuous is your storm? You think, well, Pastor Ryan, things are going pretty well right now. Great. Give God praise. Enjoy the blessings. But I know in a church this size, whether it's an individual who is in the middle of the worst storm of their life, whether it is a married couple who is in the worst storm of their life, or a parent or a teenager, and you're experiencing the, the scariest and most frightening storm of your life, I want to encourage you, there is land. Just keep rowing. I want to encourage you that no matter how difficult it may be, your marriage has value, your family has value, you and your personal self, your, your life has value. Just as these mariners saw the value in Jonah's life, just as the captain saw value in Jonah's life. So the things in our life, God sees value in. It's incredible to me that 
We see Jonah, it just seems like it's bad and, and bad and bad. And he, he, he gets into a storm and then he gets swallowed by a whale. And then he, the whole ordeal with the gourd and the heat and the wind. And it just seems like he has it pretty rough. But we are reminded in Lamentations. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Great is thy faithfulness. Also in Lamentations, it reminds us that his mercies are new every morning. You see, it was the mercy of God that Jonah was on the ship. It was the mercy of God that the captain woke up Jonah. It was the mercy of God that God had prepared a whale for him, that God had prepared a gourd for him, that God had prepared so much for Jonah. And it was the mercy of God to have a shipmaster, a captain, see value in Jonah to keep rowing. What if during the, 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 the rowing, during the, when, the, when the mariners were rowing harder, what if Jonah saw that and, and something sparked in his life and said, you know what, I'm going to turn things around, I'm going to repent. What, what, if that, what if that would have been the moment and they didn't have to be swallowed by a whale? Every step of the way, it is the mercy of God. Why? Because there was a value on who Jonah was. Your marriage has value. You have value. The relationship between a parent and a teen has value. Just keep rowing. Just keep rowing. The ministry that I'm in has value. No matter what statistics say. I don't even like looking at statistics. They frighten me. Statistics about premarital sex. Statistics about drugs. Statistics about dropouts. I've heard this many, many times whenever uh, somebody who is not a Gen Zer, they'll be speaking to a Gen Zer and they'll say, your generation is doomed. I don't like that. Because if, if they weren't here, I wouldn't have a job, right? So I need them. <laughs> I can look at the culture. I can look at the world. I can look at the future and think, Man, these guys are just doomed. You're going to go nowhere. Or I can keep rowing. Despite what storms lay out, be outside of these walls, despite the storms that are waiting for them on social media, despite the storms that this culture is, is uh, bringing upon themselves, I will keep Rowing because they are valued not just in my sight, but they are valued in God's sight. I'm going to keep rowing. I'm going to keep rowing despite the statistics, despite the naysayers, despite those who reject this generation. I believe God has a plan for this generation. I believe that God can use this generation. I believe that God has me on a boat to keep rowing. And no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, there is a storm that you are about to be in or a storm that you are in right now. And I want to encourage you to keep rowing. To keep rowing, to keep rowing. I'm going to keep rowing until the inevitable day of my death. I'm going to keep rowing. I'm going to keep rowing for my family because they are worth it. 
I'm going to keep praying for my family. I'm going to keep teaching my family. I'm going to keep being an example of a godly father to my daughters. I'm going to keep rowing. I'm going to keep rowing for my wife. I'm going to keep rowing to show her that I ought to love her as Christ also hath loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm going to row for my ministry. I'm going to row for my friends. He that hath a friend must show himself friendly. Iron sharpeneth iron. Greater love hath no man than this. And a man laid down his life for his friends. I'm going to keep rowing until the inevitable day, inevitable day of my death. May we have courage. May we look at what life has thrown at us and say, nevertheless, I'm going to keep rowing. Nevertheless, I'm going to row even harder to bring it to land. I'm going to row hard to bring my marriage to Christ. I'm going to row hard to bring my family to Christ. I'm going to row hard. I'm going to keep going to bring myself closer to Christ, the solid rock. Just keep rowing. May we pray together. Heavenly Father, I give you this message. I surrender this sermon to you to be used however you fit, feel fit to use it. Father in heaven, I don't know these people like you do. But if there is somebody here who is just about to stop rowing, Lord, in just a few moments, I'm going to invite them to to come forward and pray and, and to seek your face to keep rowing. Would, Father, would you speak to that person? Would you speak to that couple, to that family, whoever it might be, that we can move forward this week saying, nevertheless, I will row hard to bring it to land. Have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me?